Welcome to the Fear Soul Podcast. I'm Jordan Ray, the Soul Diva, and I'm on a mission for women to love themselves fiercely, live soulfully, transform their trauma and toxic experiences, to reclaim their worth and self-expression. I chat with thought leaders and inspirational women in free-flowing conversations, with a focus on loving yourself, soulful living, emotional well-being, creative expression, and body wisdom, intended to empower you to practice self-love and guide you to your authentic self-expression. Welcome to the Queendom Stories series, inspirational women sharing their transformational stories. This week I am joined by the awesome Emma. Welcome, so excited to have you here. Hello. Emma is going to share her story, which has so many moving parts to it. Emma, I'm just going to let you start, share from wherever you want, and I will just jump in with the questions as they come up. Okay. I have been in like long-term loveless relationships since I was 16. I've jumped from relationship to relationship and always believed that problem with my relationship with my father, that it was his fault that I didn't do as well at school because he didn't help me my homework and put it into context my dad was a gambler so all my life he was gambling and unfortunately most of the time losing our money but I always felt that it was him and in my life I've had a lot of times where I've gone to therapists or psychologists and I've talked about my depression and and how I'm very negative about myself and I give myself a really hard time all the time. I apparently come across as really confident, but I have no confidence whatsoever. So I've been to see therapists, ones that the GP have transferred me to to get a prescription or I've done cognitive behaviour therapy and never found that it helped, never found that it did anything. It didn't change the way I thought. It didn't shine any light on why I was like I was but eventually I did pay for my own therapist she straight away I felt a connection with her I felt empathy from her I felt comfortable talking about everything and had a little bit of a light bulb moment when I realized actually it was more my relationship that I had with my mother that she had suffered a great loss when she was a new mum and the horrible feeling she was having made her become so much closer to me because she needed me. So from my my first year on the planet, my mum was my best friend. She was my everything. We did everything together. I chose a college course because of what she said. I had my hair the way I had because of her. I had it. It was just basically everything. I looked up to her. She was somebody who everybody knew liked and I wanted to be like her it's only since I went to see that therapist that I realized my whole life I have held the death of my grandmother which is what what she was feeling I've held it as my own grief even though I didn't know her and even though I didn't ever have any memories of her the grief that was felt by my mother I felt I felt as deeply as I could burst into tears just thinking about her and it was like an overwhelming grief and it was only in recent years that I realised actually that grief isn't mine and I need to let go of it 
which I have done. And actually, the whole moment that I thought I need to let go of it, I did. It was like a, almost a, no, I just need to let go of it. Because I've had lots of people in my life who I have known, and I have lost, and I have felt sad about. But her, you know, her loss wasn't mine. And the fact that I walk on eggshells because of my mother, and I do things because my mum would say, or she would approve, or and I'm a mother myself, I've got two children, and I'm not far off 50, and think that by now I should be doing things because I want to see them. That word should. Um, yes. And actually the, the fact that so many of us carry around, we don't realise we carry around all of our childhood experiences, all of those emotional impacts, we don't even think about that subconsciously yes. still with us all these years later. And all of our parents' stuff as well yeah. that we've picked up. Definitely. I've carried that around with me for, I suppose, about 43 years. I carried around the grief of my nan or someone I'd never met or what I did meet but never remembered. And I mean, it sounds awful and it isn't a bad thing, but I see my mum in a different light now. I've realised that her needing me to do things with her and go shopping with her and um, her to have conversations with me is actually not about me. It's about what she needs. And I've kind of let that go a little bit now. And I've noticed that she's not noticed any difference. She's not. She's just replaced it with other things. And she's not noticed the, the loss of me, the, the fact that I've moved a little bit further away and that I'm not as attentive to her. And, and she hasn't noticed. And that, that's quite, it's it sort of, it hasn't upset me, but it just makes you realise that Actually, people are quite focused on themselves a lot of the time and that we should all spend more time focusing on what we want and not worrying about what other people would think or what other people would want because no one's going to look after you the the way that you look after you. So that's what I do now. I definitely put myself first more. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I think, I don't know about you, but you're also brought up that if you do that, it's selfish. And especially as a parent, but obviously in your situation, there was a point with you as a parent where you had to put yourself first and you didn't have any other choice. But I think actually it shouldn't be viewed as selfish that people get the best from you when you prioritise yourself and when you're being yourself. Yeah, definitely. I I think, and I've taken control of my life a lot more. I've moved around jobs quite a lot recently, but that's because if I felt I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, I would actually make that change and I would learn something new or and just make the change because it makes me feel better. So I changed jobs quite a lot recently. I just actually left my job because it wasn't making me feel good in myself. And I know it probably sounds easier to than than you think, but sometimes I think you just you do need to take control and realise what's important. I totally agree. We're back to expectations. We're no longer in that situation where you go into an employer and you have a that doesn't exist anymore. And why shouldn't we feel good about what we do? That's it, definitely. Yeah. I mean my my last job I loved. I thought it was an amazing job. I was working with children. I love children. Unfortunately one of my colleagues made me feel uneasy and I realised that I can just find a different venue to do the same job. I don't need to stay there. I can move on and be empowered. Absolutely. Love that word, empowered. You were talking about not having confidence, even though a lot of people think of you that way. And actually, it just springs to mind sharing both you and I have actually known each other 
for over 40 years, but have not seen each other since about 32, having gone to school together. And that's just always my perception of all how confident you could be. Yeah. And it said, my story knows that wasn't the case when we were together. I wasn't confident and I didn't feel worthy and this was for me looking for myself in in a positive relationship. Yeah. Which just to, to look at the book and not just the cover, because it's never quite as we see it. But how did that affect how did that impact our mum and her grief and how she was used and everything? How did that impact you throughout through the process of writing the book? When it came to going to college, I actually chose because my mother picked me and that she knew somebody's daughter was was taking the course and it sounded amazing. And at school I was quite good at drama. So it was one of my best exams for opera. So it was sort of a no-brainer to go to drama and I did. I went to college and it was the course that was, you had to have an interview to get into and it was, um, it was really, really amazing because I had people who I had never met. This whole belief that when I was really, really young, that I would get up on stage and sing. very abusive so I kind of went from being wrapped in hot more by my mum to being with a man who put me on a pedestal in a bad way not in a good way so he put me on a pedestal but then he knocked me down and then he put me back up and then he knocked me down and we went on like that for eight years and, and I can honestly say that I was it was a, a very steep learning curve of what things could be like I kind of went from a bad situation to a worse situation <laughs> so I spent until I was 24, I spent a long time with somebody who was very mentally abusive. Each of my relationships that I've gone through have been a kind of learning curve in one way or another. So I had the first one, which was very abusive, and then I ran away to the north of England and met somebody else, and he was the complete opposite. He was like, never would have been horrible to me, but was very... Um, I don't know how to explain it, but he was just a working class man who would just go to the pub on a Friday Saturday night and, and I, I slipped into this like, oh this is normal, this is what normal feels like. I've had all the bad things and now I'm in normal land. But really I wasn't being true to myself. I was in a relationship with a man that I wasn't really in love with. It was just that I felt safe. So I then spent 10 years with somebody who made me feel safe. Unfortunately, Towards the end of that relationship, I suffered a major health crisis, which then put everything into perspective. I realised that that needed to end, so I then ran back home again with my children and started again. Again. <laughs> I was just taken on that, that need to feel safe, or the ability to feel safe and learning to feel safe in that abusive situation. Yeah. You've just said this a number of times before, but it's something we don't talk about. We all yeah. hear about leaving abusive relationships, we all hear about getting out, making yourself safe with women. Nobody talks about, and there are no courses out there that talk about, you now need to readjust your nervous system, you need to learn safety, you need to get back to, as you said, normal in quotation yeah. marks. And the fact that you found it, 
in some form, but it wasn't what you wanted and it didn't fit you? No, no. Um, obviously, having a major health change meant that I had to then reevaluate again. And I guess, although I don't feel confident, I suppose I'm probably quite a strong person because every time I hit something, I do take the ball by the horns and, and think, no, this isn't right for me. I am going to move on. So I moved back home with two small children, one who was maybe two and the other one who was three, and started again. You know, I had my parents then back with me. Um, but it's just like a roller coaster, really, a roller coaster of emotions and a roller coaster of, of people coming in and out of your life. Some people are, are good influence, some people aren't. I'm putting myself first. You said that every stage is obviously lessons. Yeah. I know you pointed that there's been there's a couple of occasions when you've had those lessons to learn. Yes. So what are some other lessons that you've learned along the way? I definitely think the, the quote that you said about don't just go by the cover, you know, look inside of what's going on. Because back in school, I always had a crush on my best friend's brother. And then when I'd moved back to my hometown, we started dating. And I, I kind of thought it was all-encompassing and everything was going to be okay. And then we had lots in common. Truly, it was a wolf in sheep's clothing. And for someone that I've known from the age of 11, I knew all his family, I knew everything about him growing up, I, I kind of knew all his history. I was quite shocked that somebody could hide in plain sight and be just a fake, really, just someone who was pretending to be something. And actually, deep down, there was something completely different. And that was quite a big shock. I'm sure what's, what psychologically, he's obviously got some sort of issues. He was addicted to porn and made me feel very not worthy and not good enough. Um, and got to the point where he was daily downloading videos and carrying it around in his phone and carrying it around with different electrical devices and joining websites and lying and just was completely obsessed and he kind of lost his zest for living it was like he needed something to stimulate I mean I've looked into it actually but it was like he needed something extra to stimulate his life and being with me wasn't it he was sort of draining the life out of me I don't know how to describe it he was sort of taking the pleasure out of daily living it was just every day was there was something where he was miserable where he was hiding away and he wasn't very nice to the children either. It was just like everything was really hard work. It slowly just got worse and worse, where his, his mask fell off and he was something completely different. It's quite shocking, really, how you can misjudge somebody, especially when you've known that much about them and that they're extremely lonely for a long time, that they can be such uh, an enigma and <laughs> you, don't, you don't really know them. It's that day-to-day discomfort, isn't it? That, yeah. Yes, we can have everything as fact. Know about somebody, hearing about them until you're in their day to day, all the pictures out, all of that stuff that they can hide, they can mask. Yeah, that's when it all starts to get real. It was quite a shock, really, when I really, you know, I started to realize that it had all been put on. I mean, to put it into context a little bit, it, he was classed as top salesman in the regional area the first year we were together and won a trip to the US Virgin Islands for me and him, which is obviously corporate. But was amazing. It was just a very well planned and very, you know, we did lots of activities and it was just really nice. And he was the best salesman. Within, say, four years of us being together, he probably couldn't have sold a pack of biscuits to an old lady. You know, he changed so much. He just 
had lost his mojo and so I can only imagine that it was this whole persona he put on and he's still lost now I mean he's still lost and still not getting on with his life because he's he just can't and he's still looking at porn but <laughs> it's just strange everybody's different yeah it, it is hard when somebody's putting on a show for you and you don't realize until too late that it was all pretend and it was all a all fakery. What was the bit that led you to walk away when you decided this is the answer that I want? We were together, we were married four years and we had a break and he moved out for about nine months. And really that was the point where we should have just called it a day. I knew we would be there, but we tried again. And I suppose at first you've got that honeymoon period where everything's great again. And I had a very weird miscarriage, which I think was probably my body coming to the end of its fertility but you know that was a really hard thing for us both to take on and we didn't really deal with it I was dealt another health blow I was diagnosed with a couple of other illnesses and strangely enough I met a man who was one of my children's friend's dads we used to talk at the school when we were dropping off our children and he became a really good confidant and he just used to say to me all the time, I don't understand it. You're a, me- you know, you're a beautiful woman, you're amazing. Why would you do anything that you're doing? Why are you not treating me the way you should be treated? And I think it was him, just this conversation really, just, I used to go out his house for coffee and we'd sit and talk and he was very old fashioned, very stuck in the 1950s, but, but in a lovely way, it just sort of slowly dawned on me that this is my life, that I'm just letting this life by when I'm not happy. And actually I'm capable of being on my own and I am capable of looking at my children. I've done it already for years. I'd rather be on my own than have this where someone's making me feel bad all the time. I just, I told him that I was going to find somewhere else to live and then eventually we just discussed it and he said that he'd move out. And then that was it, really. We just kind of moved on. We had all the tears and all the I can't live without her. And then, and then he got over it and it was probably the best thing I've ever done really was was just walking away yeah I lost I lost my house I've lost my house now three times in my life so I've three times had my property and three times lost it all so that just goes to prove that you can move on from you know even if you leave where you live you can you can sort it out you can be dealt with and it doesn't mean the end of the world because I've lost it all three times I don't hate the word show somebody as strong as the loss is over a result because the more of this the fact that you could put yourself first that is looking at yourself and going I am worth something despite all the lack of confidence that you felt and at least yeah. knowing that I can do this on my own and, and I can do it consistently there is a level of resilience that does make you stronger but as you were talking at the beginning what that doesn't do is take away all of the everything that you're still finding away from you. So where there was lack of confidence or the unworthiness of someone else in those tales or whatever it is, great that you are resilient in that way. But I think that you should also remember is you still take all the rest of that stuff with you and improve it to this area of finding that right person. So whether it's a therapist, my coach in my wheel group, the inner child work with people, I would do that shadow work with people, but so on, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with that, that's amazing. Definitely. 
definitely makes a huge difference getting the right person to talk to. And obviously, like that, that man that I met, just at the right place at the right time, he was just the right ear to listen to me, and he really helped. Sometimes the people can just come out of the blue that you don't, you don't expect it, and you're not looking for it, and then somebody just is the right ear for you to say all your things to, and they, and they help you. say have more self-confidence have more confidence in who you are and your gut instincts to things and be more outspoken about what you really want you know don't think that you're pleasing other people by saying what they want to hear actually say what you want so that you can make your own choices you know I, I think back now and think if my math teacher hadn't said oh you can't do a level maths with the grade that you've got then it would have been different because I would have chosen math you know, you're just that little tiny silly thing. It's always listening to other people and not listening to what I wanted. And, and that's what I would say. Would you sort of had any Because obviously having confidence is easy for that. Just get in there, no doubt. If you could have had any what would have helped you? What would have been I think maybe having a bigger friend network. I think by the time I was 15, 16, I kind of lost a lot of the friends that I had. My friends, I think I went through childhood letting people slip away too quickly. And I think if I had had a bigger friend group where I had people to talk to, but I kind of isolated myself. I went to a college that there wasn't anybody from my school in, and I isolated myself with my best friend. And by that point, I only had one real friend, and then I lost her as well. So I ended up isolating. Keep your circle bigger. You don't Little things. 
things have got more importance. So that's why I try and plan for on a day-to-day basis is just remember the little things that I've enjoyed or the little things that I've been positive. Um, and so I suppose positive behaviour therapy has, has helped me in a way because it's might have taken me 15 years to realise it, but actually I think that was what it was trying to tell me in the first place. really struggling with this heat but I suppose I've got to be grateful that the sun's shining. Friday morning um, donuts from my favourite coffee shop. You know that's a really big point of my week. I just got crack on. In the last couple of years gone off chocolate and it is like like a massive part of my life has changed because my taste buds just can't handle chocolate anymore. I don't know what's changed in my body but that is really weird. Something you would rely on quite regularly has suddenly gone. Yeah, yeah, and it would be like saying a lot. 
just something every day, but if you change something quite big in your life, like a job or where you live or um, an illness or something, there is a loss and there is a grief of what was there before. And I definitely think I've experienced that quite a few times, but um, but I've also learned from my mum, you know, that grief can follow you around for a long time. You do have coping mechanisms, but burning a hole in your credit card is not a good way to do it. <laughs> no, no. And, and stuffing it all down and not feeling it and not dealing with it isn't a good way to do it either. Um, no. There is definitely some of that in learning yes. to deal. And it's okay. Like, whatever your way of dealing with that is. Definitely. That is definitely a much bigger conversation. So, <laughs> next time. therapy and so often we can all feel that we're on on our own and we're the only ones with this experience and so having these opportunities to hear someone else's and not just my voice this time so that actually people can understand that they're not on their own it's not just them the bit that's really stood out for me i think from this conversation is what you see on the outside and especially with social media Oh, it's not, it's not necessarily what's going on underneath for that person. No. So comparisons and, and all of that, you're comparing to a very curated list. You're not comparing to that experience that you're having. No, no, and I do think it's sad for young people nowadays because they've got this sort of wall around them straight away of who they really are and it, it's quite sad really that they can't be true to themselves I don't go in for that sort of thing so <laughs> no, and that brings us back to just basically your message to your, your 16 year old self about being true to who you are and standing and following your gut and, and trusting yourself definitely that is what I would say to her be more true to yourself that sounds like a perfect place to end Thank you for joining me for yet another Fierce Soul conversation. To find out more about me and my work, please see the links in the show notes. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I look forward to you joining me next time.